someone from your peripheral and you just sense them there and you know that you think that person is cute, <laughs> I, I definitely like, I didn't even look your way like completely, but I just knew like, oh, there's a cute guy over there. <laughs> and then, yeah, I don't know. I just knew like right away. I was like, okay, I like this guy. He's cute. And you know, when you're physically attracted to someone, you kind of make up ideas in your head. You don't know that person, but you're just like, they're probably, their poop probably smells fucking good. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yikes. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, even in the closest relationship, I'm not smelling my significant other's poop, so. Yeah, but you you idolize someone when you don't even fucking know them. You know? Right, exactly. <laughs> that could be anybody. Planning the wedding right away, right? I didn't get that far. Just poop smelling. Um, okay. <laughs> There's priorities. Yes. So, yeah. And then I remember us talking briefly. I thought it was really cute. Yeah. I thought it was very nice. Mm -hmm. um, oh, but then after that, when we met up and because well, I have this thing that I'm on where and I don't know how this is going to work for me, but I have like in my past when I was younger and just kind of doing the casual thing. Like I've hooked up with people where it's felt so fucking empty that now, even when I'm, I've kind of tainted it, I feel, because I can't even just like have fun with someone, even if I, I wanted to. I remember, I remember our discussion in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. We were talking about boundaries and you yeah. said you didn't like being touched. Yeah. And I was, I was kind of take, I was kind of like taken with that being like, so how do you actually reinforce like relationship connection yeah because touch is very important to me I you think know? It's, yeah yeah it's important in general right i feel especially in like a romantic setting i think i just fucked myself over by letting people who mean absolutely nothing people i'm not even might not even be like super attracted to touching me right. and then that fucked it up for the rest of everybody but by doing that i'm fucking it up for myself too because or you're perfect for a fundamentalist Islamic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> you, oh know, you know, you actually touch through a sheet. Right? Touch me through a sheet? <laughs> touch I don't me know. with your eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Touch yeah. me with your eyeballs. Yeah, no. Man, I don't know. It's a weird time. Okay. But yeah, um, I think that I... That's the idea of a boundary. I think I just didn't have... One, I didn't sit with this feeling for long enough to actually know what the fuck I want and how to execute that boundary in a healthy way. Because it's not so much that I don't want to be touched. I want to be touched but by the right person. So, and I'm not saying I want to get touched by somebody that's going to be my husband. Like, that's not even what I want. It's not even that I want a relationship out of it. I just want some sort of a deeper connection and for the touch to not feel like, a guy is just telling me, like, yo, you want to fuck? And then it's like, now I feel like I owe you something type of shit. Oh, and that yeah. must be in my own head for sure, like expanded. That, that's a, yeah, that's a you thing, too. Oh, for yeah. sure, for sure. Because oh, then you confirm it by other things that you see, right? Like the confirmation bias. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because with you, what I ended up thinking was you wanted a kiss or whatever. And we don't mm -hmm. have to include what you don't want to include in this. We'll talk about that later, but... For the sake of the flow, um, you wanted to kiss me. I kind of was like, no, 
Yeah, that was classic, like, TV, like, <laughs> fuck up right there, for sure. On my end or your end? or both? My, On my end, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't offended. I was, I took it upon myself. I was like, ah, shit. Like, I expected that. I didn't, I wasn't like, this motherfucker. Like, not at all. No. It was, it made sense. What was I just talking about in the alleyway? The vibe that I was, I don't know if I was throwing out a vibe, but it was definitely in my head. Like, I like this guy, for sure. So... Yeah, your thing, I don't think that was a fuck up at all. It was more so me just not knowing myself and exploding, expanding shit in my head to make a scenario up as if it's real for every other person that I'm meeting. You're your own person. I only know the experiences that I've had. How are you supposed to know any of that, right? So what happened was after that, when I told you I don't want to kiss you, I... And this was in my head for a while until recently. I thought you just hated me for that because I didn't give you something and I wasted your time or I don't know. And I thought that for a really long time. I thought I couldn't even talk to you normally after that. No, you could have totally hit me up and been like, if you wanted to discuss it, I'd have been like, no, I just really wanted to have a sweet time. And I'm glad you got something out of it anyway. Yeah. You know, so like really... I mean, I didn't actually know how to approach you either after the fact, you know, it's kind of, it was like, well, I guess that date blew it out of the water, you know, (laughs) it just kind of was like, uh, uh, I was kind of embarrassed to even continue to pursue, you know, because I thought I was rude. I think I gave you major mixed feelings because I think in the alleyway, I gave you like a green light, like more than a green light. Like it seemed like, it seemed like. Uh, our our flirtatious rapport, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it seemed like almost instantaneous, right? Because yes. I was minding my own business, and all yes. you did was come out and just move a few things, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh hey, oh yeah. hey, yeah." Just it was just really cool. Just and then we started talking, and it just felt so natural. Yeah, you know, it did. You don't get that with a lot of people. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like you. I, I interact with hundreds. Of thousands of people, not, I mean, not maybe this year, but I've talked to so many people, and like you don't really connect with every single person that way. People are on different frequencies, right? Exactly. It was a wavelength, it felt very smooth and effortless. So immediately, yeah. I was like, Oh, I want to hang, I want to hang out with this guy like a lot. But of course, that's again, it goes back to that uh, analogy or metaphor I was saying about how people's poop doesn't stink. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Because you probably were like, oh, this is so great. It's it's that anticipation and that expectation of when we do hang out, it's going to be lit as fuck because this two-minute interaction was, like, fucking great. But then right. when we were alone and it got real, like, 15-year-old me came out and I was like, uh, uh what do I do now? Am I supposed to get naked? <laughs> Just, it was an no, awkwardness for that, me. That's the whole thing. It's like, you can't, you can't really predict uh, how every date's going to go. Yeah. You know, like... I leave it up to myself to like be in the moment. And when I was leaning in to kiss you at the time, I was like, Ooh, this, 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 if there was a soundtrack, <laughs> this, this would be the moment right here. Right. But cause I, I, I've learned through dating. Right. And that this is me maturing over the years, right. From my early twenties onward and girlfriends and yada, 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 and just trying to figure out how women work. Right. Yeah. And there's, it's always about the moments, right? It's never about like what you did or whatever, like because I always put a lot of effort into shit, right? And I realize it's 
never about the effort, right? Because I can go buy flowers. I could go do that, do this. I've done wild shit for my girlfriends, right? And these hoes didn't appreciate it? So now the oh, next no, one will Oh, no, it? because I'm also toxic and emotionally manipulative. Oh. And I ruin okay, shit okay. all the time, right? Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I, I'm the kind of person who's like, I, I'm so loyal, but I get so angry. Mm-hmm. That's my thing. I think and if you're too loyal, it leads to that. Well, if someone is too loyal or too honest, it leads to them being angry. That's what I think. Right. And then guilt, you know, that's always been a thing too mm-hmm. in relationships. Like, uh, you know, cause I'm, I, cause I'm so good at flirting. You know, you are. I, I can give you that stamp of approval. It was a good right. flirt session. See, I'm a great flirt and a great hookup, but a very shitty long-term boyfriend. Okay. Right? Because if you get to know me, right, the things that I stress about and the things that I get overwhelmed with could seem trivial to some extent, but, like, I make a big deal of it. You yeah. Know, I'm very I'm very dramatic. Same. You know? Same. People, I don't think some of my coworkers can stand me. <laughs> same, same word. Same here. Same here. Yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and um, I feel like, uh, you know, when, when the ebb and flow of relationships, priorities change, circumstances mm-hmm. change. And, you know, sometimes you find out after a while, because I'm a Virgo, and I pick people apart, and I'm super critical. Yes. You know, and then I find out that I'm not compatible with somebody. I'll still ride it out until it explodes, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, and, uh you know, it, uh, with all the, um, with all of my uh, ex-girlfriends, there's always been a turning point. Like after like six months in, after the honeymoon period, right? Because it's blissful, constant sex, just traveling. You do all the fucking benchmark things. Because mm-hmm. I've done like two year relationships, three years, four years, you know, like. I've put in work in my relationships and I've gotten to these benchmarks, right? Yeah. Never, never marriage, right? Because I've always been poor, right? I've always been a working teacher, never had a lot of money. Um, but it's always been like, once I get to this echelon point, we're like, wow, we are just not working out, right? Mm-hmm. I, it's either the past four relationships have been, uh, the breakup's been from me ending it because she didn't have the courage to say so. And then us trying to piece together what went wrong for a couple months, almost ruining the new relationship that I'm in right now. I'm in, I'm in one right now, which if she follows you, which I don't think she does, which would be fine, but it's great to whoever your audience is. <laughs> um, you know, almost ruined this one because I was mm. overlapping. Right, because yeah. I cared so much for both people. Yeah, you know, and you get caught up in honesty shit, right? I'm trying. Yeah. To, I'm trying to. Tell, I'm telling the truth and lying at the same time to yeah. two people, right? Yeah. You know, and I got caught up in that. The previous relationship to that was fucking. Uh, I went and went across the country for a summer, and the day after I left, she was like, "We got to end this." Oh no. Which was fine because then I hit Tinder the next day and I got in a wild three month relationship with somebody completely different. This Australian girl, it was wild. Wow. Yeah. But 
but it's like I can just move from relationship to relationship with ease because I've learned so much from each person, you know? Yeah. And I get caught up so quickly in the love and the, 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 the appreciation shit, you know, like I appreciate what you did. Like you're thanking, you know, for them existing. Yeah. You know, in your life. But like, uh, sometimes, sometimes I play this role where I get really emotionally disconnected. Do you do that in your relationships? Well, I'm a fucking freak because, <laughs> and this probably won't be a surprise to you, but I've never been in a relationship. I actually, like, my period of dating heavily was from when I was 18 up until 22. And then yeah. at 22, I met somebody that I was, like, really attracted to. We hit it off so great. But that relationship was ruined because of Muslim brotherhood code. My brother found out. He went to high school with this dude. The dude found out that my brother found out, and he went to my brother and apologized for talking to me in the first place. Never heard from him again. <laughs> so oh, I just haven't. Kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have not connected I, with anyone in that way since then, and now I'm just like, you know what? I realized that I had a fucked up childhood, and I really need to do so much work on myself. So I yeah. know if I get involved emotionally with anybody now, I'm only gonna fuck them over, and maybe myself. So. You gotta figure out how to communicate your needs. Yes, and I am so scared of doing that because I feel like I am stepping on people's toes if I express that I have needs. I feel like I just need to shut up and be there like a dummy. And I think that comes from like the Muslim, yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Because that's how the culture is. It's like shut the hell up, make me a sandwich, and suck my dick, and don't I've cry about a, it. I've dealt with a lot of girlfriends you know who've had to unpack their generational trauma yeah you know yeah and uh you know even uh, i've dated women who've been molested before and i've had you know violent family history and shit so like you know some of that's played into like us doing like bdsm healing damn you know like yeah. trying to really unpack the scenarios and shit like why do they feel they need to be punished you know that kind of shit and, uh, I mean, I wasn't like completely into it, but like, you know, it was, I worked it out with myself, you know, yeah. taking on that role. And, uh, I'm a very solutions based kind of person. Like I like fixing problems, you know, mm -hmm. like this. And so girlfriends and I don't know, when you get in a relationship, you start finding out everybody's problems. Like, Oh, right. Okay, so, right. And it's, it's gotten so routine now where it's like, I get a checklist of like, whenever I date a girl, I'm like, all right, so we got, I know this cat. one. Yeah. <laughs> And then this, oh, you have a problem with your dad. All right, we got to talk about that. Your mom, your sister, you know. Oh, and Lord. Like, so I, I, I figure all that shit out. And then I find that, like, especially with my last girlfriend, I did so much work with her just, like, being an ear, being a listener. Yeah. Right? And, uh, you know, I feel that's some kind of sense of healing is when you can be able to say the things that, are bothering you and the, the the history behind those things it's kind of like i become your therapist as well as your boyfriend right you know? right right and uh it, it's like you know I, I i take it upon myself to not offer solutions i let you talk it out right because who am i who am i what do i know about you right yeah um I mean, with her, it was like family stuff. She had a baby daddy. She had a, a daughter. She has her. She had her uh, cultural history. 
she was really proud of. And we ended up uh, throwing a whole festival where like I, you know, I helped her out on a couple of her fundraisers and yeah. shit. I was like stage manager for one of her shows, you know, and like I bought the t-shirts. I helped <laughs> folks. I booked the, I booked the talent, you know, and, uh, you know, I find that like, it's not like she's ungrateful for any of that, you know, cause I did it in my, out of my own free will. Yeah. Right. And I did it, did it without the expectation of anything being returned. And, uh, I recently found out she was saying that she was abused by me. No. Oh no. And we got in a fight. The only thing that she cited was we got in a fight in Vegas and, uh, we were both tripping on acid. Oh, hell no. Right. And we went to a nightclub. Okay. And uh, these girls were walking by with these bottles and lit candles. And so I was like, woo, like whatever. <laughs> she got pissed. Okay. Right away. Thought I was flirting with them, whatever. Mm. We get into a screaming match in the yeah. middle of the dance floor, like an Italian couple. <laughs> you know, just, uh, what's the matter with you? Just hands and shit. We get in another screaming match in the parking lot because she won't get in the car. Mm. And then uh, we get to the hotel, back to the room, and then she wants to book a flight that day. And this is all probably stemming from a myriad of other passive-aggressive shit that I've done throughout the entire trip. And she's yeah. just done. She's done with me. And uh, she gets to the door, and uh, I tackled her. <laughs> Like, not, like, for me, like, I mean, I, wrestling with my brother at a younger age, right, like, I was right. going hard back I've then. I've done this, it. I'm used to this, getting tackled. Right. Like, a playful tackle. <laughs> it, this was because she was in hysterics. Mm-hmm. And she was going to walk through a crowded lobby in oh, a casino no. to try to get to an airport. Yeah. While tripping. Hell no. While tripping. Hell and so. No. I tackled her to the floor. She starts yelling at me, all the explicitives, everything yeah. in the book. Yeah. And that's the, and then we talked about it afterwards and like healed and we ended up finishing the rest of the trip in some kind of somber bullshit. And we got back to LA and it was whatever. But like, she brought that up as mm. a thing. And, uh, to me, that kind of hurt because I heard about it through her cousin. Hmm. And the, how I remember that those events of that day are different than hers. Right? Yeah. And that's the thing is that I have to believe her. You know, I have to believe her perspective and, and how she, and I have to accept that, that she is hurt and she's had to work it out now mm-hmm. that she was hurt by me. Right. And it's very sobering, you know. It's uh, you know you kind of want to go through, uh, you know, a relationship three years, three years, and then that was only maybe the end of the second year. That time happened. We were still together after that, mm-hmm. right? And she's held on to it for that long, Damn. you know. Damn. Uh, just hearing you say that, it, like. 
it hits home for me in a different way because um, right when the lockdown happened, I was invited to go do acid for the first time. And I fucked up because, first of all, there's a fucking pandemic going on. You're supposed to be in a happy mindset. I was not. I already wasn't. And then there's a pandemic going on. I only know one person out of the three people. Like, I only trust and know that one person really well. The other two people are actually her close crew. Like, that's her. I mean, it was her boyfriend and her boyfriend's best friend. So, tight-knit group. Two men, two other men. But exactly two other men, and they're all tight knit. Whereas I'm like the kind of the odd one out in that group, especially considering an acid trip. Um, So that plus where we were at was in a downtown LA high rise apartment building. That's already fucked. I think jokingly, one of the dudes was like, if you see the light, go towards it. And for some reason, that stuck to me. (laughs) And there was a helicopter outside. Yeah where the balcony door, so the balcony door was open and the helicopter was looking for somebody. So they had the spotlight on and they kept shining that shit in our fucking apartment. And I wanted to go towards the light. I wanted to, the, one of the dudes was smoking a cigarette out the, at the balcony, which is a reason why I was safe because he has done acid before, not his first rodeo. He's aware of his surroundings to some extent. Whereas I don't even know if I'm fucking alive. Like I'm trying to get a grip on reality during this trip. So that doorway, all I saw was a bright light, and it felt like if I were to walk through it, I would orgasm. Coming from someone that doesn't orgasm often seemed like an amazing thing to do. Yeah, so, yeah when you get you know the thought in your head, yeah, for When sure. you get that thought in your head, it's a fucking loop, and then getting yourself out of that loop, that takes a, a lot of willpower, because you don't even know what's real or not. And I'm over here yeah. thinking, I know I took a drug, I know I'm tripping, but like also at the same time, what if somebody, during this trip, hit me over the head with a frying pan and I knocked out and I'm fucking dead. And I just got to go through the motions. Whatever I'm being told to do, I have to do it. So oh, that's, shit. I'm like coming back and forth between that thought and the fucking balcony door. So if somebody would have tackled me, I would have afterwards been like, thank you. Cause I would have died. <laughs> wow. So yeah, wow. I get your logic and ta- like, I would have wanted to be tackled. So as you were saying that, I was like, being in Vegas is fucking scary. I mean, yeah, it looks fun from that Johnny Depp movie or whatever, but... No, it's not. It actually sucks. I fucking hate... Yeah. I, I, we, we went to Vegas, actually, uh, three weeks ago, and I that saw. was... With your was tripping, comic friends. Yeah, on the gram. Yeah. Cool. Uh, did you hear... Uh, speaking of abusers, did you hear about my boy? Which one? Nick Romero. What happened? I saw that his Instagram was gone. And I was going to ask you, but... You on Twitter? No. I mean, it's like I have three followers and I follow three people. No, you got to get on it back on the the comedy circuit's blowing up on Twitter. Everybody's on it. It's gotten to a point now where people are getting outed after D'Elia. I knew that was going to happen. And I felt like the people talking the most shit are going to be associated with that. No, but no, but a lot yeah. of the women now, man, the, all the women have been coming out and uh, outing all the comics that have been in their DMs and harassing them at shows and shit, and people who are not safe, you know, are being called out. And uh, one of my close friends, man, we've been rocking for the past couple of months. Me, Nick Romero, John Taylor, Mitchell Lamar, we've all been working on skits and sketches and shit, and. Uh, we didn't know the extent. Me, John, and Mitchell didn't know 
how much shit he was doing to other female comics. I had an instinct. I had a major instinct. And the instance that happened with me and you, I don't, I, we don't know each other that well. We know each other from those two, you know, meetups or whatever that we had, two conversations. I don't know if you believe in this type of shit, like a woman's instinct. I know myself, I live in my own body. So my instinct has always been razor sharp or so it feels, you know, like I'll think of something and I see that shit playing out. I saw you, the four of you kicking it and just something in my mind, just, you know, when you have like a rock in your shoe, (laughs) there's just an uncomfortable feeling. I kept Mm -hmm. thinking that and I wanted to keep asking you, how's Nick doing for some fucking reason? I know that sounds like some fucking psychic bullshit, but because I have a relation to you and my instinct with you is that you have a good heart, right? But you're kicking it with someone where my instinct was like, I've had a couple of encounters with him. I don't have to include this because I don't want any drama for no reason, but... No, no, you can say it now because he's off grid. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, no, I mean, he, he'll he he'll know this too. Like, I didn't have much of an interaction with him, but my gut told me that this fool, there's just something up. I can, it's my podcast. I can edit this, so I'll speak very openly. Yeah. He's had yeah. like a couple of Russian girlfriends, one after the other. I'm assuming that. I don't know. They look, you know, not from the U.S. or, I don't know, like, TikTok-looking ladies, (laughs) one after the other, and it just seemed eerie, and I just got a vibe he abuses these women in some way. I don't know what that may be, but I just got a vibe because it was very quick, and I don't know. I'm speaking off of not actually knowing shit, too, so. I mean, kicking it with him, right, kicking it with him for long periods of time, like, you know, uh... First of all, he's the least funny of us in the group. That was that was very clear. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so, something was off about it. Like we were cracking jokes, and he would always go fucking. And Jesus. We, it wouldn't be it be wouldn't be funny. And uh, we kind of got like this sense on the way back from Vegas. We were talking about Louis C.K. Mm. and he, he got super defensive and yeah. like took it personal mm. and. We got a little kind of like, okay, Nick, like, cool, bro. Like, it's, it's not, he's already done. You know what I mean? We all watched a special low key, but still. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But night, like, between us, like, you know, he edited our, our skits and, like, he was a good worker, you know, in terms of shooting ideas and shit. But on a personal note, like, you can't do that to women and I can't fuck with you, you know? I can't fuck with you if you do that shit. And like, I mean, everything got put out. There's a whole account on Twitter dedicated to outing him. What the fuck? I, yeah. I don't want to be on my phone right now, but you're making me want to look. Because I'm like, we're talking, but pull, I don't have context. Uh, no, pull it up. It's called Do Not Book. What the fuck? Okay. And the first 17 tweets are about all him. Oh, Lord Jesus. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you can hold it up to the screen, too, if you want to have an illustration for that. Do not book. Yeah, cancel these predators. Cancel these predators. Yeah. Let me fix the lighting. That's not going to work. Yeah. Nick Romero has a history of beating women and is a felon because of it. He continues to attempt to manipulate women in and outside of the comedy scene. He feels as he is owed spots on shows and continues to harass women constantly. 
Yeah, they got the receipts for that oh, shit, too. I don't know. It was that deep. I thought it was emotional manipulation. And, like, maybe slapping around some hoes. Oh, Lord, yeah. Jesus Christ. No, it's a whole mentality, right? And it's repeated. Right? And there's DMs and screenshots of him going after girls in there, you know, with the hard eyes and then suggestive shit. Like, real, like, let me talk you into something kind of shit. Like, you know, probably a good cell phone salesman, if anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just talk into those contracts. Oh, like, God. Even, that's probably his lane. Has, really. like, a follow-up strategy yeah. of, like, okay, every two days I need to... <laughs> yep, straight up cold calling. Yeah. And that's some savage that's some savage shit. Like, you know, there is like I was talking about with my old homeboys, right? And uh he was saying like old niggas used to be like, sometimes man, you gotta take the pussy. That used to be yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That used to be a thing. Yep. Like up until nineteen eighty five, I'm assuming. Like that used to be just <laughs> like common knowledge or whatever, like for men. Yeah. And in men's private circles, and I've been privy to all kinds of garbage growing mm-hmm. up, and even unpacking my own toxic right. toxicness and my ideas of women, you know? Because, yeah. uh, I mean, uh, I've been a part of a lot of, like, male-oriented groups, whether that's been, like, sports. Uh, uh, you know, I was in a science program, mostly with women at the time. I was in a science program, though, but, well, like, my things, like, because, I mean, I'm a, you know, I made a big deal when I did my shit. I was in, like, a symposium or whatever. Wow. I was working with essential oils. But then I had one of my, uh, one of the classmates, she was doing, like, nanotechnology, and I got more attention than she did. So I, oh, I don't wow. Fuck. Yeah. Interesting. Right? You know? Um, but just, like, uh, you know, I've, I've recognized that, too, is a systemic thing, right? Especially yeah. in comedy, right? You know, where every male comic has been like, women aren't funny. I hear that. I hear that shit. Yeah. And I go like, so I. fuck <laughs> you. Do you know, you know who kills me? Deborah D. Giovanni. Oh my fucking God. She is the shit. She's she, so funny. I, like, <laughs> that's, that's crap my pants laughing. Yeah. You know? Yes. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> With uh, COVID coming back, it mm. just doesn't. The, the, the idea of live shows and comedy is just in such a weird uh, predicament because yeah. I'm I'm doing something subversive by even having a show. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, Ian Russo is telling me that there's a circuit of living room mics that people have been doing. Interesting. You know, and there's the collective of folks doing that, but it's like. I don't know, being not white, I'm not connected to all those other groups, mm-hmm. you know? I hang out with the colored folks. Yeah. And I'm, I'm off I'm off the main Melrose, you know, white people. big ass living rooms. Yeah, like the, dating jo- the dating the joke scene, yeah. you know? Right, yeah, yeah. so it's like, I'm not even in the, I'm not even in there. And I don't know, I don't know which one is more pretentious, I don't know if I'm being pretentious, because I haven't reached out, or if I'm just not on that frequency. Mm. Yeah. Well, I don't know either, because I don't know shit. I also have not been working hard at all. I've just been writing once in a while, and not even, like, when I write something, I don't even look at it again. Although, Mm. as I'm writing it, I'm, like, cracking myself up. But I'm pretty sure, 
there's a big level of uh, insecurity that feeds into not having any motivation to do anything. Right. So right. I need to figure that shit out first because I want to start going to these mics, but we're not even having mics or able to have mics, so that's fucked in itself. Right. And then people are saying to do online mics. The other half of that is you have to make it lucrative because if you're doing it just for the creative pursuit, that's doomed to fail, right? Because Wait, what do you either mean? you have to I'm be talking about, I'm talking about just doing open mics for the practice of it. Okay. Yeah, see, yeah, because I'm nowhere near I, making it lucrative at all yet. <laughs> all right. You know what's crazy? Hmm. I've been doing stand-up comedy for 13 years. Damn. And I haven't made it. Right? Yeah. All this time, because all I did was just go to Mike's yeah. for the for the sake of artistic pursuit. Okay. Right? Whereas you have people who take it seriously. Yeah. And in six months, TV. You know, like right. there's, you know, and for me, I've never been in that success lane. I've just missed it. And whatever reason, because I work hard, right? I am doing things, right? I have I have stuff to show for it. Mm-hmm. I, I, but whatever it is, my talent or whatever I'm offering has not hit yet. You know? And I, I saw uh, the preliminary stages. You met me pretty much at, like, I wouldn't, I would say at my plateau. Okay. I plateaued around the time that you met me where I had six shows back to back, right? I'm either participating in them or I'm organizing them, right? And uh, like, and I book big names and I network my ass off every time I'm at the store. Mm -hmm. Every time I'm going out, I'm getting Instagrams and uh, who are you and who are you? But I, I just don't get the platform to speak right i'm always and uh because i don't know where the money is there's this closed circuit of like hollywood jobs and elites or something right where i haven't figured out how to monetize my time do you think you have to suck dick to get there and now that comedy might just completely fucking come crumbling down because all the dick sucking soliciting predators are getting in trouble as a man I figured out that gay is a spectrum. I find there's places where straight men go mm-hmm. to get their dick sucked mm-hmm. by other straight men. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's like massage places and there's all kinds of hedonistic shit. Yeah. Around. And people can put those masks on and take those off. Right. 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 So everybody's gay in their own way. Yeah. You know, and uh, with the gay Hollywood mafia is is <laughs> mythically not right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I'm not spilling tea on folks, but one of my friends, close friends, who's gay, said that they had an opportunity to get a part mm. by like fucking this dude, and they were like chilling mm. in a hot tub or whatever, and the guy was leaning in for it, and like it just he was just like, I can't do this. This feels really slimy. 
Yeah. He could have gotten that role. That could have probably jump-started a Dude, lot for him. That's what I'm saying. I think sex or any sexual favors, it's a fucking currency. And with this what? Me Too movement and whatever the hell is coming after it, coupled with, like, COVID and... Uh, I mean, comedy is a big one with sex being a currency is what I mean to say because you're trying to get your face into a spotlight and then there's big people who are like, I could get you there. You don't even have to be funny as fuck. You don't have to be the funniest person in the room, but I could still get you there if you right. pay me a little bit of that booty hole or whatever is, you know. Um, so with these tweets fucking bringing people down and then us having to be on lockdown, I think comedy is going to take a really big hit. And we're just seeing the beginning of it, and I'm kind of scared. I mean, maybe it'll get better. Stand-up is an addiction. Okay. Yeah. When you get to a certain point, when I hear last night, people are like, I needed this. Yeah. Right? A lot of people that I know who are heavy micers have addictive personalities. Mm. Right? And mm -hmm. you know, the need for attention and the desire for attention and validation is also addicting, right? Yes. Because it happens in all of our life right now with the stories that we post and the pictures we post. We, we, we are constantly craving for that attention. Yes. And uh, if you think about it, you know, stand-up is a form of social media. Yes. Right? Everybody's different, gets their turn to be on stage in our feed yeah. of whatever the mic is, right? And uh, unfortunately, you don't get a chance to skip. You got to watch the whole video. You know, <laughs> like oh that's, Lord, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the reality of the show. And, and instead uh, of people not liking your post, you actually hear them in real time not laughing at your joke. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and the thing is, is the bravery it takes for somebody to a get up in front of people, right? And then b with the goal in mind of making that person have a, an emotional reaction and then see if it falls flat, you got to just roll to the next one and then realize that you have another set to do if you didn't get what you wanted. Yeah. It's the endless, it's the endless cigarette. Yeah. Right. Cause even if it's hitting good, you know, even if you're hitting it good, you're like, I got to get some more of this because there's another level. And you know, for me, chasing mics religiously, it is my church, yeah. right? This is, this is the thing that I've committed to beyond teaching, uh, beyond uh, the sense that, like, I know I want to, I'll do this. I'll be a shitty micer forever, if anything. Right. If, I'm not, if I don't hit an apex of a show, you know, being on the stage is what I want to do, Yeah. right? And uh, it comes, I have a whole thing, a whole thing of performance in my family that I'm trying to maintain and uphold. I don't know what this is. My relationship with the stage is the longest that I've had with, with anything for my entire life. I've always wanted to be the center of attention. I'm going to fucking do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I, you need to do more mics if you believe so much in yourself because yeah. you don't after a while, I don't believe right. in myself at the time. Right. I don't I, think I'm capable yeah. of shit sometimes. Yeah. And a mic does that to you, you know, I mean, yep. 
with a combination of other things. The life of a comedian is not that happy. Yeah. You know, and we and, and life isn't that happy. Yeah. But the, the other thing is is that you still get a chance to go talk about it on stage. You yeah. can get away from it for a bit and you can fulfill that need to be the center of attention on stage. That's the ideal life of a comedian. Yeah. Right. And uh, the stage has been for, there for me, man, been through all my relationships. You know, I've always hit, been able to hit the stage and talk about it. Yeah. And uh, it's like, you know, I'm not sure if I'm giving the names of comedians a bad name because, uh, <laughs> you know, as a boyfriend... Not that good, but uh, as a comedian, I've said I've been mediocre. I think that I, I think only comedians will work, but also people say comedians are fucked up when it comes to dating. So I'm like, uh, oh yeah, I think everything's fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. After a while, can you take me seriously? No, because yeah. that shit is hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> You're upset about what now? What did, what did I do this time? <laughs> That's fucking hysterical. I don't know. Like, uh, you know, I think dating online, because I've tried it a bunch of times, mm -hmm. and it's been dope when it works out. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, again, you know, I, I did a funny thing. I did a funny thing. Uh, did I ask you for a Yelp review? No. No. Okay, so I asked, oh, because we didn't, like, we didn't. actually hook up or whatever. <laughs> Wait, right? oh, okay. So, so I, what I did was I asked a bunch of my, like, former hookups over the years <laughs> for a Yelp review. Okay. Right? Like, what, what would you say our interaction experience was if you could put it into a short, succinct paragraph? <laughs> and I got a couple pages worth of shit. That's I got a awesome. Couple pages. Yeah, it's like five stars. I got a three and a half. Okay. There's a girl got a UTI and it was Ooh. like, all right, you know, but, um, <laughs> I think that should come with it though. Like dating apps, you should be reviewed. You I know? think people should have stats like a video game character, like on their fucking head. Um, yeah. yeah. You know, cause I'm a great dater. I can date, but, uh, you know, cause even the, the like, you know, like uh, three months is like the ideal time, I think, to be with one person. Three months in, because I've done years of relationships, so my spurts of short-term relationships have been peppered in throughout. But like, uh, you know, because that's the honeymoon period. The first three months of a relationship are amazing. All the loving texts, the poetry, the flowers. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of you. Am I thinking of you? Those are those are dope. Right. After that, when it becomes routine and it becomes work, that's when you got to figure out what the fuck it is. You know, like how much can you be compatible with somebody? And if the conversation isn't heady, I can't do it. Yeah, I'm. I philosophize constantly. You're right. I'm. Right. I'm looking for the funny. Constant. What's funny about this? Yeah. Right. And if, uh, if I just, if you're shooting suggestions at me and that shit ain't landed, like, it's like, all right, this, let's wrap this show up. All right, next. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Except for me, it's, it's turned into the first three sentences. If you don't bring some real shit to the table. <laughs> yep. 
judging you hardcore. I think you're a fucking idiot and a loser and a moron. And that's my own shit. Uh, women are just as shysty as men out in these streets. <laughs> I'm that's what I've been you, hearing. I mean, like, that is what I have been hearing. You know, you thought you picked me up. You know, <laughs> like, uh, look at this cute guy, right? Like, I get that shit every once in a while. But, like, uh, nobody likes talking about it. Comedians like keeping shit on the low. You mean, like, what do you mean by that? Like, posting each other on your stories? Yeah, mean? no, comedians are sleeping with each other right now, but they're <laughs> not talking about it. Yeah. You know, I even know a couple couples that are, that don't go public. Yeah. You know, because it's just the scene, mm -hmm. right? And people are going to know you're going to air out your relationship on stage. Yeah. You know, it's a primary form of getting through shit sometimes when you got a good relationship joke under your belt. Right, yeah. Damn. There's a lot that needs to be considered. Being a comedian. God damn. Yeah, or being a comedian's significant other. Right. Yeah, fuck. I remember. This bit me in the ass. Me and my ex from a while ago, we shared a, a Google folder. Uh, we shared a, a picture folder. And uh, I remember I was filming my sets. And uh, one night I went in there just raging, about, just angry at her. Mm. You know, and I did a bunch of just low blow jokes. And she found the video. Fuck. Yep, she watched that whole thing. You know, and so I had to atone for that. And that put a big dent in the relationship. Because mm -hmm. she, thought, she heard how I really thought about her on stage. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I hated that. Oh, God. Ah. I'm glad I'm single because I can make shit up now. Yeah, you know? no. When you get into stupid make relationship fights and you're on the phone for two hours... I mean, nobody got time uh, for that. I don't have time for that. I can't. Uh, I'm already... That's my problem with relationships in general, is that you have to consider another being. I can't even have a pet. 